Hello and welcome back to the Wilkes Bear Connect Podcast, brought to you by Park Multimedia. The Wilkes Bear Connect Podcast is a series that brings in local entrepreneurs, council leaders, young professionals, and students that are leaving their mark on Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Dan Kimbrough. Also, hi everyone. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. This indeed, is indeed. Well, I'm Dan Kimbrough. Um, I run Park Multimedia, um, a local podcast and uh, social media production company, as well as the uh, uh, chair of the uh, DEI Council for the Chamber. Uh, and so we're going to have a discussion today, and you are more than welcome if you have questions. Um, I'll just ask that if you have a question, project, because we don't have mics for you all. Um, but we are sort of recording, and so it's going to be a podcast um, for the Wilkes-Barre Connect podcast. We are um, sort of relaunching and allowing each of the councils to sort of have different time um, to talk about different issues. So the one later today will be part of Young Professionals. This one is part of the DEI Council. Uh, and so with us, we have Mayor Cagnetti from Scranton. Uh, Mayor Cagnetti was elected in 2020, I believe. You were the first female mayor of Scranton and then re-elected, yes. <laughs> Uh, re-elected in 2021, uh, in that fall that year, uh, to a full term. Uh, you will have two lovely daughters as well. Uh, seeing you run for mayor while being pregnant is one of those things that's always, it's always one of those things you just wonder about the stress that you're putting yourself through and all those things. And so, uh, but you also have a background uh, working with education. Um, you uh, were the Scranton School Board, uh, the d- director of the Scranton School Board, yep. Um, and then also at the government level, um, working with the, uh, with aging communities and with public schools as well. And so working with a lot of our vulnerable communities. Uh, and so we want to thank you for your service and all those things as well. Um, DEI is one of these things, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that's been a large part of sort of the national conversation. Um, and it's been growing and growing over the past couple of years. And so wondering if you could sort of speak to what changes or impact you've seen from DEI work in Scranton and in your local community. So Scranton is uh, historically a very diverse community, but the leadership in Scranton has not reflected that diversity very well over time. So I'm the first female mayor um, in Scranton. We have the first LGBTQ uh, council member. Uh, It came in, Jessica Rothschild came in the same time I did. Um, Since uh, my tenure on the school board in Scranton, we now have a Latina member of the school board. There's an African-American member of the school board. So we're we're making some progress, but we still don't in leadership reflect the whole of our community. Um, now, elected office, that, that's a, there are only so many spots and there's you know, politics involved. So, so that, that, that train is moving uh, in, a, in a positive direction, I think. Uh, but we also have other things, that levers that we can pull ourselves. And so as mayor, we have about 520 employees in Scranton in the city. And we have, we have tried to hire, I know this sounds groundbreaking, on merit. <laughs> And by hiring on merit, we have diversified our body of employees very quickly. Uh, it's really amazing how that has worked. So when you walk into City Hall today, um, there is uh, there are far more people of color and far more women working there, I think, than you would have seen four years ago. And again, it's not it's not because we have had you know had some grand strategy beyond really just hiring the best people for the jobs and trying to make sure that our jobs are posted in places that people are looking, right? And no longer is it only a little, little tiny piece of, uh, in the newspaper. We also use LinkedIn and Indeed and Facebook and try to get those jobs out there. And the more, 
different people from different circles and different places work at the city, the more they tell their friends that this is a job that you can have. And it's, you know, worked really well. It's also something that we've done kind of quietly. We haven't made some big, we're not doing this for the, for the publicity. So we don't, have some ticker like, oh, we, you know, hired someone, another woman today, right? We, <laughs> we were doing this quietly so that these conversations just, this becomes the norm, yes. right? We want this, this should be the norm. It, it, it needs to be the norm. Uh, so we don't talk about DEI that much in a public way. I will say that we've had some setbacks and that's the nature of the beast in, in politics, right? We, last year we put a, a DEI coordinator in our budget my city council cut that position with zero fanfare. There was no comment, no public comment, no one no one wrote a letter to the editor about it. And, and this is where I think I said earlier during the panel that the positive advocacy is missing. Um, and that's you know partly on me. I think I could do a better job of trying to find people that can speak on behalf of the positive things we're doing. There'll be a lot of, you know, in a, a budget process, there'll be a lot of negativity. You know, you want to raise taxes 3%. Well, it should be only 2%. Okay, well, let's have that conversation. More importantly, though, we're trying to get a DEI coordinator in our HR department. You guys cut it. And it's just gone and nobody knew or cared. And we've we've got to do better on that front of telling people what's in there and having people come to those city council meetings, having people write those letters saying that this is important. This is actually the future. We need to be deliberate about this. We need we need to help the mayor and the administration increase the the outreach for these jobs. We've got to get, you know, we've, we've been able to be successful at the administrative level. We've been successful um, in our police department as well, but we need to be more successful there. We need somebody in our HR department that's thinking about this all day long and so we'll we'll try it again and see what happens but it's it's a really interesting thing also the politicization of the term DEI <laughs> is of course something we could go on and on about you know it's it's so it's it's just tough right now with politics the way that it is there's some words that are just vilified yeah, yes, and yes, so yes. DEI is you know oh well we can't have DEI well you know, maybe I'll call it something else this year and we'll see how <laughs> it goes, right? We're, it was just in a, it's a, it's a funny time where I think it's part of its social media is just fraught with all sorts of misinformation. And, and that's, that's a, a war that America is fighting. I think the world is fighting. So we'll keep, we'll keep fighting those battles, but we're working really hard at the city to, to have a more diverse workforce. And like I said, we're not doing it by cherry picking. We're just doing it on merit. And lo and behold, City Hall looks different. <laughs> um, can you speak a little bit to that? What you just said, City Hall looks different. How does that affect you as the mayor? Like when you walk into the office and you actually get to see a representation of your city and not just one slice. What does that do for you as a leader? It's very, it's very, um, very important to me that people can come to City Hall and see themselves reflected. So every time we're able to serve someone and have them say, a lot of times we'll say like we, you know, our sign just says Benvenidos Os Granton. In addition, like when it loops through on the electric sign at the out, outside of the offices, when somebody says like, thank you for putting Spanish on there, you, these little things mean a lot to people. And so it's very helpful in that way. Um, I'll, I'll tell a story for, we have a, we have a 311 line and sometimes people call with, with, you know, problems that we can solve. A lot of times, a lot of times they call with problems that we kind of can't solve. So, uh, sometimes we get calls from people who are not, um, not as open-minded about diversity as they maybe could be. And uh, we did have a call this this summer 
where someone called complaining about the kids next door and the kids next door it was implied were not of the same color as the resident that was calling and uh, the person in our office said you know ma'am I think you're describing me when you're describing these kids and she's continued to call and he's continued to answer the phone and I think they're developing a relationship <laughs> where she might be coming around I'm not going to get too excited but that's important right yeah that's very it's really important, important. Yeah. Yeah. it's really really important so yeah, I, I'm not sure that will change her trajectory in terms of how she views her place in the world and that of others. But by having somebody answering the phone in my office and solving problems in my office who looks different than her, you know, maybe it's not her specifically, but maybe other people are, are starting to realize that this is this is the this is Scranton. Yeah. This isn't a new Scranton. This is Scranton. I love that. I love that, that this is Scranton. And what I also love is that you talked about two measures of implementing DEI, that there was no fanfare around. There was none of these things. There was no budget change. None of those things need to happen. You just hired on merit. Like, that's, it's that simple of just, and it changes the way it looks, and it's, there's no fanfare. There's no press release or none of those things. It, didn't, it wasn't a budget line. It was just simple, oh, let's change how we hire and see what happens. And all of a sudden, you're now implementing DEI at a level that most people think that it takes all this other stuff. And it's, no, it's really that simple. And so I really appreciate that, hearing that and I applaud that as well. Um, we're seeing the political landscape as far as people who are running and getting elected sort of changing. And I know a lot of people say that, oh, there's more women running. Well, women have always been running for office. We just haven't been electing women or getting or funding or supporting to get them to the points where they're actually on the ballot. Can you talk about being the first female mayor of Scranton, what it was like sort of running in a landscape in a city where you are, in fact, the exception to the rule because no one else has done what you're trying to do? So when I ran in 2019, it was a special election. The former mayor, unfortunately, is currently incarcerated um, for uh, abusing his office. He was extorting uh, contractors, having them pay him cash uh, under the table uh, to get permits to, to build things. So it was a, that was remarkable. Um, special election 2019, a six-way race. I was the only woman running. I'm not from here. Most of you in this room probably know that. I'm from Oregon. Um, a huge Oregon Ducks fan, so just anybody who's <laughs> watching college football right now, we'll see. We have Stanford this weekend, which we always lose to Stanford. It always breaks my heart, so just get ready for that, everyone. <laughs> uh, it will. It just it happens every year. Um, but I'm not from here, and uh, I've chosen this place, which a lot of people, I think, understand, because a lot of people, again, this is Scranton, mm -hmm. a lot of people are not from Scranton originally, and they've chosen Scranton, but to the, the kind of usual suspects of the uh, politics in, in the area, that's, that's just not been done. So not only uh, was I, am I not from here, I'm a woman. I was also pregnant when I ran. I was seven, eight, and nine months pregnant during that, uh, during that time. And so there was a lot there. I think, though, when I look at it, it was... The, the knock was less that I'm a woman and more that I'm not from here, which is really interesting. As a transplant, I understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, that's been a fascinating thing. But uh, I will say that gender comes into you know an interaction at least once a day and probably more than, than once a day. There are plenty of times where people call me Paige instead of Mayor, and I'm pretty sure if I were a man, they would not do that in a meeting. Um, you know, I, I roll with it. I, I take a kind of a tactic of not pushing back too much on those types of things. I think as I see younger women in the audience, you guys don't do that. I think I'm just of a different generation and I've made a choice of how I, how I push back and what I do. But I think the generations 
be behind us are going to be better at stopping things in the moment. Uh, so I, I tend not to do that, but don't think I don't uh, have that in my mind and know um, who likes to kind of quietly disrespect me. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, I, and I remember. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love that. Yeah, it's funny. And, and part of it, too, I think some people, it's not deliberate. I think there's something, too, where you have a, it's a, I'm not a young woman anymore. I'm no, I am not on the young professionals panel. Um, I, but I look a little younger than I am. So I think there's a little bit of that kind of like, oh, she looks like my granddaughter or something like that. Or she reminds me of my granddaughter. I don't know what it is. So I, I don't try to hold it against people. But that, that gender, that misogyny is absolutely there. Um, there are certainly things that, that come up that, um, that you, you try to push back on. You have things on, I mean, social media is just ridiculous but the things that some people say on social media are absurd and obscene I did call someone out um, in person I, I saw he's a resident that has a fake name on Facebook but he's told everybody who he is and he said something <laughs> he said something really awful about me um, gender-based and so I saw him next time I saw him I said like hey you know you say whatever you want about the job we're doing if I don't care that's great mm -hmm. you know you you see trash and it didn't get picked up you you take a picture and put it on Facebook, whatever you want to do. We'll work on that trash problem, but do not, yeah. do not say sexist, awful things about me. That is not like, that's just not right. It's not fair. It's just, it's gross. Um, he did not appreciate being confronted in person about that. Uh, he denied, <laughs> denied everything. Um, but it, it's tough, right? Like it, it is tough. You have these things. I don't go on social media myself. I, somebody else told me about that post. But it, it is really hard, and the, the gender-based stuff can get really, really nasty. So you have to just ignore it. Again, I don't go on Facebook. I think that's my part of my remedy for it. But you just have to plow ahead. You have to take those. And, and you know, you have to stand up for yourself. So I like that I saw him pretty recent, pretty, pretty soon after that post and was able to say that to him. Um, and it's a small town, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't like a national election where people are saying nasty things behind their computer. Like, he's saying nasty things behind his computer, but I know who he is. <laughs> So that's another interesting thing about our community is, you know, in our whole valley, we're, what, 600,000 people. It's a lot of folks. But you look around this room in this conference, we all know each other. It's a pretty small, it's a pretty small place. And so when you're disrespectful, you know, you, people are going to know. And so I see, you know, I see you guys. This, this crowd just right now gives me so much hope. You guys are here. You're at this leadership conference. You're thinking about the future. We need you. We need you to participate. We need you to not be scared of people saying mean things. I'll talk to them for you if you need me to. <laughs> Um, it, 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 it is hard. Yeah. It, it is hard. And the, the gender based pieces are real. The color based pieces are real. The religion based pieces are real. Mm -hmm. The ethnicity pieces are still real. I was told when I ran that I have an Italian last name, so I could never become mayor. Uh, not, not more than one person told me that, um, which was baffling to me. It's one of those things as a transplant as well. That's working in DEI. I've really found interesting about the region is how much ethnicity plays a role here that the further west, I'm from the Midwest, and in, if you're white, you're white. So like you go to church and at the most it's Lutheran versus Catholic. It's not Russian, Irish, Lithuanian, Rusin. Like it's not broken down at that level. So that for me was a shock moving here of hearing the notion of, oh, the Italian and I. So two white groups don't like each other. You realize you're the same race. All right, you handle that and I'm gonna go over here and just let you fight that out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's been a, it was a factor. It was really, really interesting. And obviously we were victorious multiple times. And I think, I think that we've, we've broken through that, but, but that's another piece of, um, again, this is a very small minority of people 
but they tend to be people that have been at this for a while, that it's a way to divide, right? It's another way to divide. We see in America right now, there's all sorts of efforts to divide, 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 and we're doing all we can to bring folks together. At the local level, I think we can win this battle, right? And do what we can to, to help our, ourselves, you know, kind of get America back on track where we're not dividing each other on purpose, we're, we're coming together. And I was gonna, that's sort of my next follow up to that is, what things as a female in office in Scranton have you seen change? Um, and not so much that you feel that you've changed, but just your presence, have you seen or noticed anything sort of change or attitude sort of adjust or things? There are a lot of women out there, men too, a lot of, of folks out there in Scranton who, and, and beyond Scranton, who are, are very happy to see a woman in office, in, in, especially I think in this seat. So I don't take it lightly that there's, um, I have a responsibility to carry that through and be the best um, mayor that I can be, the best public servant that I can be. Um, I'm also a, a mom and just had another baby eight weeks ago, so I need to also be a good mom. Um, that's difficult, but that's, that's part of it though, right, is I have, to, I have to do it for my family, but I also have to model it that, that you've got to balance both things. I'm not doing a great job right now of, of balance. Uh, we hosted a mayor's conference a week after she was born, so I don't recommend that uh, to anyone. <laughs> but I think I, I do think that the, the timing, I couldn't have planned it this way, but the timing of being mayor and being a new mom is, is for me, the, the exact same timeline. So I do, I do try to do what I can to, to be good at both. And of course, I'm not going to bat a thousand on either. And that can be really difficult. But I can talk really plainly about that and about that whole idea of like, oh, you can have it all. Well, let's talk for real about what that looks like and and what it means. And I, I try to just be open to people and, and answer questions or um, commiserate. I'm really open with with people just last night at my uh, preschoolers back to school night. I, I think people might expect me to be very like stiff or something when I meet them and be like very, I don't know, like proclaim something. I don't know what <laughs> they expect but I you know I really lean in on the fact that I'm happy just that I you know got myself dressed in the morning <laughs> that I haven't showered and I'm not sure how many days right like yeah. I'm a real person and <laughs> I think sometimes that can get lost so I'm trying I'm trying to to do the best I can to make again make it normal yeah. make it normal for a parent uh, to talk about their kids whether you're a, a man or a woman or, or or you know you talk about your kids talk about your troubles with with figuring out how to balance it all um, and just being being a, a professional that's also trying to do the family thing and trying to combat some of these forces that are are really really strong and again everybody's always trying to divide you um we got to just keep pushing back yeah. I like that. Um, and sort of going off that, we're also seeing outside of just gender, but a lot of marginalized and underserved populations, we're seeing a lot more representation, if not running grassroots efforts popping up all over the place. What advice do you have thinking about advocacy for these groups or individuals who are looking to step into elected uh, positions um, who legitimately no one looks like them as well, or they're trying to stay outside of the political range, but supporting and doing advocacy work. What advice do you have to people who really want to sort of help push back and sort of really start being a part of this? Yeah, there are so many opportunities. I mean, right outside, you saw Rainbow Alliance, you saw Action Together. Those are both great groups. They're nonpartisan groups. They're groups, those types of things to get active in. You start to meet a lot of people in the community. Those are also groups that if you are interested in running for office will, you know, I think can help support you. Not again, not in a partisan way. Local politics isn't about partisanship. It's just about change and progress. The the opportunity to it's not that hard. It's hard to run a campaign, don't get me wrong. 
but it's not that hard to get on the ballot. It's not that hard to run a good campaign. You actually be surprised how few people do it. So if you're interested in it, like really do think about it and get yourself, you know, on track for that. I'm always happy to talk to aspiring politicians. Uh, really, it's it, you got a lot of resources out there, not just locally but nationally. There's all sorts of groups that are supporting and want to support candidates in places like northeastern Pennsylvania. They want younger, you know, they want to inspire younger folks to do this. They want to inspire folks that again don't look like the the usual politician in some of these places. So there's lots of resources out there. I'm happy to connect folks to those resources. And I think the biggest thing is just to realize that uh, these these are open to anyone. This is not that you have to have some certain last name or you have to look like some certain person. You just you can do it. You need to build your coalition. You need to build your resume up, and you need to build your 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 kind of kitchen table of advisors for your personal life. But this it's do it's totally doable. It's totally doable for to run for county council or city council or school board, and and get your voice in there. Now that's an extreme version, of course, of of advocacy as being one of the people that people are advocating to. But just getting yourself to the school board meetings, to city council meetings, to county council meetings, and speaking up, whether it's positive or negative or a, just an idea, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be super well read into some deep legislative issue to speak at these meetings. If you see something that you don't like, you can talk about it. If you see something that you like, please support the people that are supporting that. Again, I we see so much negativity right now. We need much more positivity there. So there's lots of different ways to advocacy, advocate. Also, letters to the editor. You know, I know our, our local newspapers just got sold, and I am as fearful as any of you in this room as to what the future looks like. Um, but that I believe they will still have a letter to, to the editor section. So write letters to the editor. Again, positive, negative, neutral. Just get you know, get voices out there about local because I'm more worried than ever on the media side because of this local newspaper sale. I'm more worried as ever that social media and the misinformation there will suck the air out of what's actually happening on the ground. That's a scary, that is a scary prospect. So we actually, in this moment, need you more than ever to talk about things, to get the right facts out there and have, have the, have the stakes out there as well. Because I think sometimes local politics can feel on the outside like a circus. Oh, it doesn't matter. It very much matters. And if we, if we let things go the wrong way, uh, we won't be able to to meet those goals and we won't build the community that we want to see. All right, thank you for that. Um, I want to kind of follow up on that. I hear the, you know, come up to the council meetings, go to school board meetings, you know, get involved in that manner. But a reality is for a lot of families, 6.30 at night, I'm, I'm making dinner still or I'm still at work and grandma's watching the kids like, while all of these opportunities exist, thinking of a truly DEI lens, sometimes it's just hard for parents or those who are concerned to meet a nine to five, a 10 to six schedule when politics or all these things are happening. What other ways can individuals who do have concerns, but their life just doesn't fit into that schedule, how else can they get involved? How else can they reach out? I think that's a problem that we haven't solved for completely yet, um, and something that that we used to do during the pandemic. We did we did kind of these town like Facebook town halls, and there was that forum. I've been trying to figure out how we should modify that going forward, but. It, 
we have these coffees with the mayor every month. Mm-hmm. So you can come. We try to vary the hours. Um, but I think that we could do better on having, you know, things happen on Saturdays or, or something like that. I know Saturdays can be a busy day too. But we, we do try to modify the hours of the different outreach pieces that mm-hmm. we do for that That's reason. Uh, we also have the, the 311. So, you know, our office, the, the calls and the emails come right to our office. It's just um, Caitlin, who's, who's here with me, and Isaiah, who's back at the office. It's just the three of us in the office. So those 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 really do come straight to us, straight to me. And that is one way to at least get, you know, kind of on a, on a one-off basis, your voice heard. But I do think that we, sh- we could be doing better and we could do better to have a uh, public fora that's not just the, the weekly city council meeting. Because, right, it's a Tuesday night. It is tough, um, and especially in the wintertime. And the other pieces, our building needs to be more accessible. Um, we're looking to, to have a, an expansion where we'd have our beautiful traditional city hall, but also a more accessible building where we could have... Um, we could have events and things that are um, less of a, a burden to folks that, that aren't able to, to get up those stairs. So I appreciate that. I appreciate it. just hearing the fact that you're thinking about these things and the things that are working. That's right. So um, thinking of the future, you know, you, you mother and you've worked in education and school boards, even worked with aging, um, thinking about the future, what what would you like to see, you know, if you had a magic wand, if mayors had all the power you think that, you know, that we think that mayors had of these things, what would you like to see for this region from a political aspect, but thinking about the, the future, that realizing that for those of us who are not in the Young Professionals Council, we will be the aging community <laughs> yeah. very soon, like, we are to need the youth to take care of, what world should we be leaving them so hopefully they will take care of us? Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, we, I hope so. I really hope so. Uh, yeah, it's if I had a magic wand, man, there I go. I don't know how time we have. But I, we, I so deeply want everybody to work together and not feel divided. And mm-hmm. that is, I want that neighbor that calls us to realize that those kids and those voices she hears outside, that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right? Who, who, come on. Like, kids outside playing in the summer, that... That's what it's all about. And I don't know if maybe she's missing her kids and she's gone on in years or what it is. But, I, you know, and again, the, she might not be somebody that ever gets it. But but I, if we could get everyone to realize that we are one community, not just Scranton, but the whole region. And this is, you know, this is a, a concentric circle where, I, you know, you want the west side of Scranton to realize that this is west side. This isn't, oh, I wish this was old west side. No, no, this is Scranton. It's always been diverse. Not And maybe it looked a little different. Maybe the diversity you're used to is the Lithuanian church versus the Russian Orthodox church. But it's always been diverse. And this is Scranton. And this is the future. Let's celebrate that and help everybody get to the life that they want to get to. So you want to see that in, in each neighborhood in Scranton, in Scranton as a whole, in our region as a whole. I want to see at the regional level, the, the region working better together. You see as, as mayors, we've been doing that. Um, you see I, the chambers are working great together. There's, there's a lot of pieces where we're breaking down those fictitious barriers. We've got to continue to see that work. And, and we've got to, we have to have that in order to truly grow, right? Nobody, you don't want a company coming in here and having, being lobbied by different entities and feeling like it's all kind of a rat race. That's not a good vibe. People aren't going to build their community, their companies here if we continue to do that. So that's kind of the, on the macro front and on the, the issue front, I mean, the housing piece, if I could just wave a magic wand and have a thousand new senior housing and not senior, not towers, but, you know, there's cool senior housing units with like 20 units, right? Where they're a real community, it's only a few levels and they're close to a coffee shop and close to uh, a market, right? You want, you want to see those neighborhoods. You want to see people to be able to age with, with dignity. Uh, and you want, 
again, kids need to live in safe homes. We have sheltered folks, but they're, off, they're often sheltered in places that aren't safe. I want to wave my magic wand and have all those places redone and beautiful and have more of them. We, we truly need a, at least a thousand more family homes just in Scranton. I think our, we have 800 about, like, requests with the Scranton Housing Authority. And how, how, how are we going to meet that need, right? We need to meet that need. I think we will see growth. I think we will get that train to New York and we'll see more and more investment. But we've got a lot to do to even tread water in terms of the amenities that we're offering in the housing because that, that rental crunch is real and it's, it's really tough for people to live right now. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, anybody have any questions? Anyone? I have a short question. So I grew up in Scranton. I'm now a Luzerne County resident, but I'm just curious. I mean, you're so impressive. You're so um, eloquent and you're a new mom. You've got all this stuff going on. What in the world made you want to run for mayor of Scranton? Yeah. I'm so curious. So when I, so I started, uh, I started off in politics in 2005. I was living in DC and I, I came up for a campaign um, and met my now husband at his business. And, uh, you know, 11, 10 years later, moved here permanently. But I, I was in politics and government. I was in the federal government at the Treasury Department um, during the financial crisis. And when I moved back, I started reading about the school board in Scranton and how their finances were a mess. And there were you know, just all these things that were wrong. So you know, I was living in Scranton, trying to figure out what I was, was going to do professionally and just felt like my experience would be helpful on the school board. An appointment came up and I went for that appointment and got on. So I, I wanted to, to try to reform some of these broken processes at the school board. And then, uh, you know, the city piece happened on a very surprise, surprised everyone. <laughs> and um, I decided that I would, would kind of throw in for that and see if we could help build, build systems, build trust back in the city. And it takes a long time to get these things there, but we are doing really well. We've, we've reformed so many of our processes. We have an incredible team and we've been able to, we've been able to keep so many of the people there that just didn't have the leadership above them to enable them to do what, you know, unlock their full potential. And then we've brought some new people in. So it's a really good mix of folks that have been there before and seen the issues and want to fix them. And now they are empowered to fix them. And then new folks coming in with, with fresh ideas to layer uh, with that. So I'm really proud of the team that we've built. And it, the, the broad thing though, is I just, without solid public government, without good governance, people lose faith in local government. And if you don't have faith in your local government, you're not gonna have faith in the other layers of government. And if we don't have that, we start our democracy starts to teeter and very bad things could happen. So it, at the end of the day, that's, that is why I'm there is, is to get to help folks and to have folks believe that local can do it and that government is good and that we're there for a positive reason. So I know that sounds aspirational, but, it's, but, it's, but it is real because if you don't have folks that care for you in your neighborhood on the ground, then other, kind of our whole system starts to falter. Appreciate that, thank you so you much. You dropped your ring. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? Back here. Mayor, uh, so, I won't make this political statement. So there's very great anxiety about the border and border control. And, you know, we live in a very small world that, that some of those people that are crossing the border will eventually either be in our community, in our perimeters, and there's anxiety about illegal immigrants. However, at the same time, organizations that are really reputable, like Catholic Social Services, 
is doing refugee resettlement, and that clearly provides the diversity that is necessary. It was all part of our ancestry here. Um, those refugees will be Ukrainians, Afghanis, and I believe Congolese. Mm -hmm. they're, they're both vetted uh, from the country and from our country. How do we avoid that scrutiny that these are just more, and maybe, maybe ignorant scrutiny, that these mm -hmm. are just illegals mm -hmm. taking housing and, and whatever? Do you have any advice or how will you handle that as a leader of Scranton? Because some, many of them will end up settling in those communities. Yeah, we have the we have a good Congolese uh, population in Scranton, and where the Catholic Social Services is actually the first place I volunteered when I moved here. Um, I was teaching English to some Congolese, but mostly Bhutanese um, folks, and we have four or five thousand. I forget the exact number right now. I think it's up to almost five thousand Bhutanese in Scranton. That's of a population of about eighty thousand. So we have a real success story in Scranton of a population that that kind of was was geared to you know geared towards Scranton and they've made a, a huge impact in our community so we'll keep going back to that example I think if, if we do see any pushback where you've got the Bhutanese really have gone from these these I mean so many of these people actually grew up in Nepal they've only they're Bhutanese but they grew up in camps in Nepal they've never actually stepped foot in Bhutan but they are now in Scranton they've it's a huge success story of this community and we work with them uh, all the time so that I think always going back to those success stories is really important um, and getting the funding for those organizations you know 2017 to 2021 one was a, a very tough time for organizations like Catholic Social Services. They're, you know, they weren't able to get the funding that they needed to, to be at the level that they were previously. So we've got to help those organizations get the resources they need. Um, but it, it is a, it, I know it's tough. And again, misinformation, social media, right? You have all these these horror stories of these things happening, and it's not in any way to dismiss what's going on in, in New York and other cities. But um, you know, any folks that that come to live in Scranton, we we do have great social services, and we'll do what we can at the city level, at the school level, um, the state level. Hopefully Hopefully, the county level to welcome those folks and get them get them settled where they need to be. But again, back to housing, we have a dearth of housing, and it's, it's unclear how if we did get a, a population growth, a burst, uh, what would happen there. But we we would you know do what we can to get those people where they need to be. Thank you for that. Yeah. We have time for one more. One more? No, no. Oh, sorry. Nope, sorry. Unfortunately. Nope, nope. So I want to thank you all, um, those listening and those here alive as well. Today, our guest was Mayor Paige Canetti from Scranton. Uh, and this is the Wilsborough Connect podcast. Thank you all very much. Thanks, Dan. Thank and that does it for this episode of the Wilsborough Connect podcast, brought to you by Park Multimedia. Wilkes-Barre Connect is powered by the Greater Wyoming Valley Chamber of Commerce. To learn more about Wilkes-Barre Connect, check out wyomingvalleychamber.org. That's wyomingvalleychamber.org.